welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Go to the book of Acts chapter number three and uh, beginning at verse number nine. And uh, we're going to start there. Praise God. I believe the Lord would, I, w- I want to encourage you through the word of the Lord tonight and maybe challenge our understanding of even even somewhat of our, our, our place in the kingdom. And uh, I want you to know that no one is insignificant in the kingdom of God. And that often the greatest revivals uh, and the greatest demonstrations of God's spirit come from sources or, or situations of people to whom we don't know them on a first name basis. Amen. And so let's look at a situation here. Verse number 9 of Acts chapter 3. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed, uh, uh, which healed held Peter and John, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Amen. I want to talk to you tonight on, on unsung heroes of the book of Acts. Unsung heroes of of the book of Acts. Amen. And I'm going to show you some different ones here in the book of Acts and uh, how, how that they were crucial and pivotal to seeing uh, the demonstration of God's spirit throughout the book of Acts. Lord, I ask you to touch us tonight. Lord, open our understanding. Give us wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength. I pray you'd give us knowledge. Lord, I pray that it would would bring life into each and every situation, oh God. Lord, move in our midst again, I pray. Speak to us through your word, oh God. Lift and encourage and edify your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord again, if we could, before we're seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. You can be seated. After this healing, the lame man praised God with the crowds gathering to see what had happened. And Peter saw a moment to tell people about Jesus. Um, Peter asked, why marvel ye at this? Um, Which I don't know, but maybe it was a little sarcastic. Because why wouldn't you marvel at this? I mean, a man that you had seen for years laying at the gate of the temple begging for money, 
all of a sudden he gets up and he starts running and leaping and dancing into the house of God. And people are standing there with their jaws sitting in their lap. They can't believe what has just happened. And then Peter says, why, why marvel ye at this? Um, I'll tell you why, Peter. Because a lame man just walked. How about that? That's why I'm marveling. They've never seen this happen before. Why marvel ye at this? Notice that, that when this, this man had been healed, how powerful this, this interaction was because he says, he says, uh, he looks at them. The Bible said he looked them as Peter and John saw him. This wasn't their first time to see him. They'd been to the temple. They'd prayed many times. But something had happened this time, and I'll tell you what that something was, that something had happened in the previous chapter. That something was called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what had happened. And now they had the power. Now they're, they're coming from an upper room experience and they're walking into the temple and they see a lame man that has a need and Peter just looks at him. He didn't even, I don't think him and John had a conversation about, hey, when we get to the temple, you know that dude that's always laying on the ground begging for money? Why don't we really tweak his melon? Why don't we, why don't we, why don't we pray for God? To, I don't, Bible said he looked up at, and, and Peter looked at him and said, look on us. And he did. Isn't that powerful? Look on us. And he did. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the Bible said immediately this man was healed. Not six weeks later. In that instant, in that moment, his ankle bones received strength. His knees received strength. And he leaping up stood. Now, I don't know if you've ever leapt from a prone position, uh, but that's not an easy uh, accomplishment. And the last I checked, it wasn't Bruce Lee that was laying on the ground. He popped himself up off the ground, leaping up stood, and he ran into the temple praising and magnifying God. Notice what he didn't do. I'm healed. Let me see what social media has to say about this. Let me, let me phone a friend. Let me, no. When he was healed, he ran into the temple praising God. The miracles God does in our life ought to cause us to run to the house of God. Not from the house of God. The miracles that God works in our life should get us so excited that we find ourselves running into the house of God to praise and magnify Him with the people of God for what God has done in our life. Can you say amen? Here's a man that, that most of his life, we, we don't know how long he had been sick, but probably most of his life, he, and he had never been inside that temple. So, well, Pastor, how do you know he had been inside? Because sick people couldn't go in the temple. They weren't allowed. If you, if you had any ailment whatsoever, if you had a deformity, you couldn't go into the temple. That's why the man with the withered hand, he kept it hid because he knew if somebody saw his deformity, he couldn't come in the temple. And so as soon as God healed him, this dude jumps up and says, I'm going to go to the one place y'all wouldn't let me into. And I'm going to give God praise there. I'm going to show you how great God is. You've been coming here 
seven days a week your whole life and you don't give me nothing or maybe you do give me something. I'm going to run in there and I'm going to give God glory for what God has done. Can you say amen? Now, now he, he, was, he knew uh, uh, that, that Peter, that is, knew that people were going to know what had happened. And so he used this as an opportunity to preach Jesus Christ to them. Amen. And they wanted to know how it was possible for a man like this to be healed. So Peter began to let them know how. Amen. And a mighty revival broke out from Acts chapter 3. And it wasn't because Peter was a good preacher. And it wasn't because James was eloquent in teaching. And it wasn't because they had great programs and a nice building. The reason why a revival and a harvest broke out is because an unnamed beggar was willing to obey. They said, rise up and be healed. If that man would not have gotten up, if he would have responded like a lot of us would have and said, you know, especially in this generation, you know, rise and walk, I'm triggered. Where's my safe space? I can't walk. I'm deeply offended by this. How could you tell me to walk? You don't know all I've been through. I didn't tell me to do that. What's wrong with you people? No, he said, get up and walk. And the man went, he popped up like a jack in a box out of a can. He shot up and he ran in worshiping and praising God. Had that beggar, had that lame man not got up, Acts 3 would have went very different. I, I've known, hey, listen, I've known people that God wanted to heal and wouldn't get healed because they didn't want to work a job. Now you can say I'm exaggerating. My wife will tell you she was there. When somebody said, I said, God's fixing to heal. You believe it? And they said, yes, but I don't want him to. And I said, why is that God heals me? I have to go get a job. I won't get a disability anymore. According to thy faith, be it unto you. Amen. That used to be harder to believe, but now it's like, I can see that happen. And as far as I know, that person died with that ailment in their life. God wanted to heal them. But this, this beggar jumped up and began to respond in obedience, and we don't even know his name. All we know is he was a beggar, he was a lame man, and he laid at the gate. Matter of fact, that's how we identify him. We identify him as the lame man in Acts 3. At the, isn't it funny how we identify people like that? When we talk about blind Bartimaeus, we say, but he wasn't blind anymore. Jesus healed him. I think the greater testimony would be, amen, uh, the blind beggar formerly known as Bartimaeus. Amen. The woman caught in the act of adultery. How about the woman redeemed by the mercy of Christ? Don't let people put a stigma on you by what God can and cannot do in your life. Amen. See, see, and you've heard this cliche said many, many times, but it's so true. The greatest ability is availability. And that unknown beggar brought a great revival into Jerusalem by just obeying. Get up! And he gets up. 
Amen. A great real. We don't know his name, but I think it's safe to say, Sister Tammy, he's a hero. He's unknown to men, but he's known to God. And that's really all that matters. Amen. Let, 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 let's, let's talk about some more. Let's go to Acts chapter 6, uh, Sister Livy. Let's go to Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse number 2. I, I want to talk about some more unsung heroes of the book of Acts. Verse number 2 of Acts chapter 6. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. And you know what? Go back to verse number 1. Let me, let's give a little bit more context to this. Uh, I should have copied that into my notes. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, everybody say multiplied. Now, now twice we have the Bible say that the number of disciples was, or God added to the church daily such as should be saved. But when there was prayer and there was house to house, house to house, prayer, house to house, discipleship, evangelism, are you ready for this one? persecution then in that day was the number of the disciples you want to go from addition to multiplication it's going to take some house to house fellowship house to house prayer house to house bible studies loving people evangelizing and some persecution pastor how can we do it without the latter I don't know and I don't know in what form that persecution comes it could be somebody giving you a hard time on your job. I, I don't know how it comes, but I do know when there's great opposition against the church, God always uses that as a launching pad for great revival. Amen. And there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Amen. Because their widows were neglected in the daily uh, ministration. Now, let me give you an idea what was happening here. There's a bit of racism happening in the church. See, everybody starts acting like this has only happened in America. Folks, this is a condition of humanity. And no people on this planet are exempt from it. Not even Bible people. Not even Holy Ghost-filled New Testament church people. And so the Greece, the, the widows that were Greek and Gre or Grecians were saying, hey, they're giving more food to the Hebrew women. They probably were. Amen. Well, if you know anything about your Bible, and you know how the Hebrews tended to look after their own, and they were fighting over this. There, there was a great, there was a murmuring. Now, now the, uh, the, the, the Greek word, they're murmuring, that's re revealed in the King James. The, the literal translation is, they were having all kinds of drama. Nah, it wasn't a literal translation, but you get my point. There was a whole lot of drama going on. I mean, it was a lot of drama. And now go to verse 2. Then the 12, that is the 12 disciples, called the multitude of disciples unto them. Now, there were 12 apostles. Those were the heads of the revival that was happening. God always has structure in church government. They called unto them the multitude of disciples and said unto them, uh, it is not reason. Everybody say it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, uh, wherefore, brethren, look ye out amongst, uh, amongst you seven men of honest report. Everybody say honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom ye, we may appoint over this business. 
but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of that word uh, or of the word and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon, that's not from the Lion King, and Paramus and, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Amen. See, Puma's not in there. Amen. Now, they called these seven men, they called together a multitude of disciples, and they found seven. Now, I'm sure there was eight. I guarantee there was probably 15 or 20. And a multitude of disciples, there was probably, probably hundreds to choose from, but they found seven deacons. Now, we don't use the word deacon a lot, um, and, and that's going to change moving forward. There's some things we're working on to kind of restructure uh, 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 the church in a sense to where everything not only, and it does now biblically make sense, but it gives better uh, definition. Uh, what we make a mistake of doing is saying whatever, you're either called to preach or not called to preach. And that's not in the Bible. Ever, number one, everybody's called to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody. And, and so deacons, and let, 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 let me say um, what a deacon is. A deacon uh, was a man full of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> honest, and had wisdom. Amen. And, and a deacon was also a minister. He was a minister. He was able to preach. Matter of fact, most deacons operated uh, uh, having their own home churches. And, and so over them were pastors that were over multiple home churches. And over the pastors were bishops that oversaw the, past, that, that, that oversaw the pastors of this. You see the church governance as it's going. That's how it was in the early church. Now, uh, um, a deacon would be, would be uh, some, uh, Brother Chase is, is a biblical definition of a Stephen. Now, Brother Chase is also um, our associate pastor. So, so he, he kind of goes beyond that bill. But, but he's a man full of the Holy Ghost full of faith, full of wisdom. Uh, he's honest. If you came to me and said, uh, I saw uh, Brother Chase last night with a fifth of wild turkey 101, I'd say, you're a liar. But I've got a picture. I don't even need to see the picture. You're a liar. He's, he's, full, he's full of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, he was, you know, he, he was out hot rodding in a 67, you know, Mustang. And I know you were lying then because it had to be a Camaro. <laughs> And he got out of the car wearing red high heels. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you're a liar. He's a man full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith. He's honest. I mean, you come in and say, well, Brother Chase ripped me off. You are a liar. I don't even need to know the details. You're a liar. Say, Pastor, you don't give us any hope that we have no recourse to, against Brother Chase. Well, you don't because he's, a, he's an honest man. Now, I didn't say he's a perfect man. Now, he'll be the first one to tell you that. He's not a perfect, but he's, there's a reason why he's an associate pastor. There's a reason why he's a licensed minister of the gospel. He's a man of great integrity. I go to Brother Chase, and I'll bounce ideas off of him. A lot of times, my mind's already made up, but I just want to hear a different point of view. And sometimes when I get done, I'm like, but you know what? Didn't see it that way, and I'll change my mind. Because he's a man of faith. He's a, he's a man full of the Holy Ghost. He's like a, a Stephen, a Philip, a man. And, and th those type of people, that they don't come a dime a dozen. And so here they were, the 12 apostles were trying to expand the kingdom and, and, and 
They're having to wait tables. They're having to wait tables. Now, I want y'all to picture this now. James, the apostle of Jerusalem, had an apron on and was serving goulash. I don't know what they were serving. They were serving spaghetti and meatballs or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, some lamb lollipops or something. They're serving, and the Grecian women are getting mad because they think the Hebrew women are getting better portions than they are. And they're all fighting and having an attitude about it. And the 12 apostles of the Lamb are looking at each other going, no, you can't, we can't do nothing to please these people. I give them all, you know, the same portion. Here they are griping and complaining. And, 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 and we're trying to preach the gospel. And we're trying to pray and have a prayer life. Trying to stay full of the Holy Ghost. But we got to deal with dingbats that complaining over who got more slop in their bowl this time. We're taking care of Ain't none of them starving. And then all of a sudden they got together and said, you know what we need to do? Now they didn't say this, but I believe it was the same inspiration that came to Moses. They said, we need to appoint men that are full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith and full of wisdom. Amen. Because if you're full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom, you ain't got room to be full of anything else. And those are the things you need to advance the kingdom. See, I I remember in, in, in the Bible talking about Moses when he led out God's people, uh, by the way, probably the most ungrateful people in the history of humanity. You ever read that stuff and go, God, why didn't you just frown all? I would be standing back going. <laughs> I mean, they were the most ungrateful people. He gave them air conditioning in the day. Well, a cloud by day. He gave them heat by night. They didn't even have to go kill for the manna. Manna. I mean, Sister Nichols was cooking for him in the desert. <laughs> manna. I don't know what manna was. I mean, it could have been tamales for all I know. I'm gonna t- if it was, it explains you know, how they lasted so long out there. <laughs> you imagine that? It, you got in a time machine, God put you in a time machine, and you went back to the wilderness and all of a sudden they wake up and they open their tents every morning and they've got they got corn wrapped tamales out there and they open the tent and go, hi, yeah, 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 and they grab them and unroll. <laughs> Man, now now that would be awesome. Some guacamole, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And if it did, Amen. Then, then you know, Sister Angelica was out there cooking for him because she's a phenomenal, phenomenal cook. Amen. And if it had been that salsa she cooks, my Lord, they'd been like the, they'd been like Roadrunner, Sister Kelly, with the smoke coming off their tail running. Cause that stuff will light you up. <laughs> and Moses is trying to Moses trying to lead there, and we don't know how many people it was. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the uh, theological authoritarians or, or, or of authority that say it was probably somewhere between 800,000 to, to 2 million people uh, in the Exodus. <laughs> How did he do it without the Holy Ghost? I mean, and these were the most spoiled, rotten. I mean... That's what we say in the South about a kid that 
they're, they're spoiled rotten. Rurnt. They're spoiled. They get to the sea. God blows his nose and the sea parts. Now, some of y'all ain't reading your Bible because the Bible said that with a blast from the nostrils of God and the waters parted. My God's so big when he blows his nose, a whole sea moves out of the way. <laughs> Amen. Maybe he's clearing his sinuses from some of the salsa. Amen. <laughs> but he blasts from his nose, the waters parted. They walk across on dry land. They get over there. You know, Pharaoh's drowning in the ocean behind him. Then they instantly start complaining. Instantly start complaining. You know what? Go easy on yourself a little bit sometimes. Because I don't know anybody was as bad as them people were. I mean, they get water from a rock and they complain. Man, they complain about everything. And Moses is sitting there and the Bible tells us he would sit there from sunrise to sunset and he would just listen to complaints all day long. Oh my Lord, could you imagine? You just had to sit there and hear these people and they're fighting and fussing and cussing and I mean all this kind of mess and God has just blessed them six ways from Sunday and, and they got a line going through the desert for people to go bring their complaints to Moses. And Moses just sit there. Next, you know, I've got a thing, I've got a, uh, Brother Chase, I keep it at home, it's a, it's a, it's a grenade. I think you've probably seen one of those before. It sets on a piece of wood, and it has a number one on the pen, and it says complaint department. Take a number. <laughs> I love that. I think it's great. Amen. I mean, Moses probably, they were, if he knew what a grenade was, he'd have wanted to roll it out there a few times. I mean, I mean, even God said, I'm done with it. God said, I'm sick. I'm going to kill every one of them. You, you think I'm exaggerating about how Moses would feel, how I would feel. God was sick of them. God said, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses said, no, Lord, please, please, please. This is from the guy that had to sit there and put up with their junk every day. Amen. Moses was a patient man. And he's sitting there listening to his junk all day long, sunrise to sunset. And it's not even, it's not even important stuff. It's like, it's like uh, yes, Moses, um, they keep putting the stakes of their tent near ours. I'm tired of it. Grandma tripped twice. I'm sick of this. Lord, couldn't these have been with Pharaoh? Um, uh, Moses, I don't mean to complain. Yes, you do, or you wouldn't be there. You ever had that person go, I don't mean to complain. Well, then shut up. If you don't mean to complain, just complain. Don't lie to me and say, I don't mean to complain. And then say, I hate your face. You know, just, just, just say, I mean to complain. Get ready. <laughs> you, ever, you, you ever heard had somebody do that? I don't, I don't mean to complain. Well, what do you mean to do then? Was, it, was that a compliment? And you just accidentally complained? It's a bleh. You just puked a complaint right out of your mouth? Are you meant to? Moses, I don't mean to complain, but my neighbors, they snore all night long. And I was just wondering if I could move over into Gad's camp or into Reuben's camp. I can't, I can't stay in near Judah anymore. These folks up all night playing music. And, and I just I need to go somewhere else. 
And so finally, Jethro, who was not even a Hebrew, the father-in-law of Moses. See, there are, thank God for good in-laws. I'm blessed with good in-laws. Now he walks over to Moses and he says, dude, you can't keep this up. These people are crazy. Now, I'm paraphrasing. That's the NIV. That's the nearly inspired version. He says, you can't give it. These people are crazy. They're going to drive you nuts, man. They're going to make you run back to Egypt and put a ball and chain on your own self. You can't do this anymore. What did I do, Jethro? Here's what you do. Appoint elders. And under the elders, and he broke it down like this so that Moses wasn't handling every little situation. This is what happened in Acts 6. They did the very same thing. They said the apostles should not be waiting tables and taking complaints and listening to a bunch of old, bitter widow women uh, arguing at each other over who got more goulash in their bowl. You need to be praying and preaching the gospel. And Stephen and Philip and all these men, they just jumped up. Everybody's heard about Stephen and Philip, but there was five other men that were chosen to be deacons. They not only laid the foundation for the services in the church, but their hard work gave the apostles the time they needed to pray and preach the gospel. Listen, these are unsung heroes. Had they not lifted the hands of the apostles, had they not put the apron on their own waist, had they not be go into service ministry so that they could give themselves to the advancement of the gospel, amen, I'm telling you, the book of Acts would have went totally different. We never talk about that. I want, don't ever minimize your role in the church. If you're a praise singer, thank God for you. We need your ministry. We need you to work for the kingdom of God and edify the kingdom. If you're in media, we need you. Uh, thank you, Sister Livy, for being here on a Wednesday night and, and functioning so well in the media ministry. And we never notice media ministry until you guys mess up. And when you mess up, everybody, everybody gets it. Starts looking back at them. Amen. And, and you, you don't know it's, it, that how blessed you are until it goes wrong. Amen. We, we need hostess. Thank God for our greeters and hostess. Uh, you, you're such a pleasant face. When, you, when that door opens and I see and I'm driving by, I can always come in this door. Uh, but when I'm driving by and I see that door open and I can see you guys smiling. Just, and you're just like you haven't seen that person in a hundred. It's amazing. It's like you had not seen them in a hundred years. And they open the door and you say, ah, just give them a hug. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. That is important. Don't minimize that. If you're a Sunday school teacher, don't minimize the impact you're having. If you're, if you're working in service ministries and helping clean in the church and do maintenance in the church, listen, could you imagine how small we would be right now? Could you imagine how, how hard it would be to grow if, if it was just me and Brother Chase and, and, and Brother Gar trying to do all of that, trying to clean the church, trying to maintain the church, trying to teach the kids, trying to do the music, trying to sing. We kind of did that before. And trying to do the media, trying to do this, trying to do that. But you know what happens? There are unsung heroes in every church like this place right here who say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give myself to the service of the kingdom. If God puts my hand on a microphone or if he puts my hand on a plunger, whatever I do for the Lord, I'm going to do it with everything that I have. Amen. Amen. Here, 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 this is another example of unsung heroes of the kingdom of God. These guys devoted their life for what they believed, not for recognition, but for spreading the gospel. 
They knew, and Stephen was, by all accounts, he was a powerful preacher. He was mightily used of God. So was Philip, and so was Timon. They were all mightily used of God, but they didn't get their own epistle. And they were, Stephen gave his life as the first martyr for the New Testament church. Amen. But they, they realized that their role was important. Whether they were waiting tables or they were in the altars praying with people or teaching Bible studies, they realized it's not for me to get my name on a plaque. Amen. It's for me to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. They attended, amen, they, they devoted their life. These are the guys that stayed on their knees in prayer for the church. They tended to the affairs of the church. They administered and they organized while the apostles discipled and preached the gospel. These are the guys that the apostles knew they could count on. They knew that these men would not let them down. And they are some of the unsung heroes of the book of Acts. Amen. How about Ananias? I don't mean the one with Sapphira, the other one. Well, I mean, they, I guess you could say they're unsung heroes. Because <laughs> after God zapped them, I mean, boy, it straightened everything up. Amen. Dad wanted to get our attention. All he had to do was hit one of us. He, he hit one of us three. It didn't matter. All of us went. God got the attention of, of, of the, the early church. When Ananias was fire, but I'm talking about the other. Let's talk about Ananias the greater. <laughs> what about him? We only mentioned him in passing, but he played one of the most pivotal roles in the book of Acts revival and in the early church. He had the personal responsibility of being one to first demonstrate Christ's love to Paul after his conversion. A mass murderer. Undoubtedly, Ananias knew people that had died because of the persecution of Saul. Now, I want you to think about that conversation. Here's Ananias. He gets on his motif. and He starts playing. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. And God says, okay. You know that murderer? The one that's rounding you guys up and slaughtering you? Uh-huh. Well, he's coming to your house. If you can use anyone else, Lord, you can use them. <laughs> Come on, I want you to think about that for a moment. Ananias. We don't preach about him very much. There's no songs about him. There's no, there's no the epistle of Ananias and to the Colossae people. There's just Ananias, a lay minister, a deacon, who God says, hey, I'm going to send the most notorious murderer to you. It would be the equivalent of saying, hey, I'm sending Hitler to your house. Right? Okay, uh, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to shoot him? I'll shoot him. Is that what you want me to do? Hallelujah, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Amen. Got my Glock on in the army of the Lord. Got my AR-15 in the army. Got my shotgun loaded in the army of the Lord. Kaboom in the army. I'll do it, Lord. Use, no. I said, no, no, no. 
I'm going to send him to your house, and I'm, you're going to give him a Bible study. You're going to show him what true love is. Because I've forgiven him, you're going to forgive him. The Bible says Saul is led to the house of Ananias blind because he'd been blinded on the road. And all of a sudden, he walks into this house being led by the hand. And there Ananias is, brother God, face to face with the greatest enemy of the church. In his weakened condition, he could have took him out. He could have pulled out a kitchen knife sliced his throat, and nobody would have said anything bad about it. They would have said, good job, Ananias. We got a promotion. But he sat down with him. And he said, let me tell you about this Jesus who you've been persecuting people for. He was born of a virgin. He lived 33 and a half years of a sinless life. He died on Calvary because people like you but he rose again on the third day. The Bible said he picked him up. He led him to the cold waters of baptism. And there he baptized Saul in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Saul was filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of us could do that? How many of us? Come on, we, we struggle with wanting somebody of a different political opinion in our house. We struggle with letting somebody of a different, of a different ethnicity into our house. We struggle with, the, with, with, the, with getting close to somebody that, that we don't like their, their, their uh, gender or their orientation. He said, Ananias. And look at what God did through Ananias. Saul was converted. He becomes Paul. He becomes arguably the greatest missionary in the history of the world. He writes three quarters of the New Testament Bible. He is an apostle to the Gentiles. We are preaching out of a Bible, amen, that contains his letters that sustain the doctrine 2,000 years later. Thank God for Ananias. It's the un, he's the unsung hero. What about Cornelius? I mean, we know about Cornelius, but think about it. We don't sing songs about Cornelius. There's no, there's no ministry dedicated. There's no book of Cornelius. But let's go to Acts chapter 10 and verse number 30, if you would, Sister Olivia. Amen. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. I'm going to tell you something. God is pouring out a mighty revival around the world right now. Do you know how many Muslims I know that are being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost right now? Because they were praying and they said a man in bright clothing stood before them and said, I am Jesus, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. One of my friends, Brother Reza Dagana from Iran, he was, he, we worked together in multicultural ministries on the, on the general council. He was from Iran. Uh, Brother Chase, he, he, he lived in a shipping container for almost two months escaping Iran and wound up in, I think it was uh, uh, Germany or France or somewhere in there. Almost died in that shipping container. He gets into Europe. And then from there, he smuggles himself into Canada. And he said that a man appeared to him in white clothing while he was in that shipping container. 
and he was almost dead. And the man in bright clothing said, I am Jesus the Christ. I am the one true God. Find me and follow me. And raise it at Ghana, amen, at Pastor Cahosi's church. In Montreal, Canada, uh, Brother Reza Dagani was taught a Bible study. Amen. He already saw Jesus' name baptism when he found his first Bible and began to read it. And they baptized him in Jesus' name. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Reza Dagani has taught thousands of Bible studies into Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan via the Internet. And he says there are people. Did you know we, we have a website? Now I'm going off topic here. No, I'm not. I'm on topic, just off my notes. We have a website called globaltracks.com. You, you can write that down, globaltracks, T-R-A-C-T-S, globaltracks.com. That is from the United Pentecostal. We, we put this, when I was in the General Council of MCM, this was one of our big projects that we did. We got our doctrinal material translated into over 50 languages so if you meet somebody that speaks hindi you don't have to speak hindi or urdu you can go to globaltracks.com find their language and you can print that out or give it to them and they can and, and there it is in their native language did you know the number one downloaded tract or or book that we had on on uh Globaltracks.com was the oneness of God by David Bernard. And did you know they, it was downloaded over 2,000 to 1 in Muslim countries? And, and Brother Reza Deghani uh, said, Sister Kelly, that he was given these Bibles and people would contact him online and they would say they had a dream or they were in prayer. They were on their knees. They were facing Mecca and they were praying. And when they looked up, there was a man in bright clothing saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I am Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe that, but Cornelius saw it, and it happened. Amen. I, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right. I believe there could be a devout Catholic praying in this city right now, and Jesus appear and say, I'm not a statue. You don't got to pray to my mama, but there is a way that you can go. There is a place that will teach you the truth of God's word. There could be a Baptist, a Mormon. There could be a Methodist, a seven-day Adventist. Amen. That Jesus can appear. I still believe he does that. Amen. Verse 31, in court, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Sin, therefore, to, let me just pause and say this about verse 31. Go back to verse 31, Sister Livy. What, watch this. He said, uh, and thine alms, thy offerings uh, are had in remembrance. If God will remember and God will honor the offering uh, of a heathen and a pagan, how much more do you think God's going to honor what you put into his? His kingdom. How much more do you think he's going to honor those that walk in covenant with him? Amen. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Verse 33, immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person.
nations. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The Bible said that Cornelius was a devout man and that he feared God with all his heart and with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Cornelius is an unsung hero of the book of Acts because it was Cornelius who opened the door and unlocked the dispensation of grace unto the Gentiles. Amen. I thank God for these unsung heroes. Amen. They may be unknown to man, but they are known to God. He also showed Peter the equality between Jewish, the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christians and how everyone should have the opportunity to be saved no matter what their race. Cornelius' whole house was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized because of this unsung hero's faith. Let's look at another. We, we talked about men. Can I, can I talk about a, a girl? Because in Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse number 13, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel, a teenage girl, <laughs> just a girl, just a girl, heard the knocking at the gate, amen, and, and her name was Rhoda, everybody say Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. I ain't got time to talk about that, but it's hilarious in itself. But ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she consistently affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, It is his angel. It was her persistency that convinced them to finally open up the door. It was this young girl who was ridiculed, who was mocked, not by the world. She was ridiculed and she was mocked by Holy Ghost filled people. Amen. Everybody was there praying for deliverance, but only one of them had enough faith to keep listening to the door. I said everybody else had, was praying that God would deliver their pastor, but it was this little girl that had her ear leaned to the wall who was actually believing it was going to happen. And because of that young lady's faith, the gospel continued to be advanced. How much different would Acts 12 have been had Rhoda not told them to open the gate? It was her persistency that led Peter into Mary's home where he would be safe. If it hadn't been for her persistency, Peter might have been in a world of trouble. This small thing is what being an unsung hero is all about. It was that small act of faith, that small act of obedience that because she heard a knocking on the door, she said, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to let this turn me away. Amen. I'm going to get up and I'm going to tell everybody about what's happening. Listen, you don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a card in your wallet. You don't have to have a lot of money in your bank. All you got to have is an ear and some persistency and say, God's doing it. God's doing it. 
Amen, amen, amen. As I'm, I'm going to start bringing this to a close. Acts chapter 15, amen. I'm not going to read all of these scriptures, but they talk about uh, James after they had held their peace. In Acts 15 and 13, James answered saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name's sake. Amen. Down to verse 17, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom, upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all all these things known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. You go down and now uh, uh, the elder James, he took charge of the council at Jerusalem and he had the courage and discernment to make a decision that would affect literally millions of Christians over generations after generation because the elder James had enough discernment and enough uh, uh, spiritual sensitivity to see what God God was doing in the Gentiles. Amen. We know he wrote the book of James. We know he was one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. But amen, I think he needs to be noticed because it was his wisdom that allowed the gospel to be focused on Gentiles like you and me. He made it possible for the Jews and Gentiles not only to be saved but to get along and by doing so he helped the church grow without major conflicts. The Jews agreed that the Gentiles did not have to be circumcised as long as they stayed away from idolatry and idol worship. James, the elder James, his courageousness it paved the way for us, amen, to have the ability to communicate with God and have a relationship with God because if James would have put his foot down and said no, Gentiles cannot be saved it'd be a whole different situation I want to close with one more example out of the book of Acts chapter number 17 Acts 17 and 5 tells us of one who we only heard his name in passing but let me focus on him before we close Acts 17 and 5 says but the Jews which believed not moved with envy and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the basser sort and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And Acts chapter 17 and 10 says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas, by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Listen, a guy named Jason risked his life by letting Paul and Silas stay in his home. He stood up for what was right. That's all he did. He didn't stand up and preach a message. He didn't get up and try to put a choir together. He just did what was right at the right time. He stood for what was true. Even though he faced persecution for it, he could have lost his life. He could have lost all his possessions. But Jason knew that the gospel needed to go further than it had been. Amen. And Jason left the testimony. Amen. That he could turn the world upside down by just doing what's right. 
As far as I know, Jason wasn't a pastor. As far as I know, Jason wasn't a deacon. He wasn't an elder. Amen. He wasn't a preacher. But here's what he was. He was obedient. And he was available. Listen, we are the deacons that hold the church together. We are like Ananias that converts the, pers the, the persecutors of Christianity. We are the apostles that walk through the gates of today's society and give not gold and not silver, amen, but through the power of the Holy Ghost and the life of the Word of God, we can speak life into somebody's life and the miracle working power of the gospel can go forth into their life. We are the bridge between the different beliefs and backgrounds of the 21st century. Amen. We are the bridge of the great cultural divides in our nation. Nothing has brought this nation together like Pentecost has brought this nation together. We are the Jameses that will affect the whole nation with the word of God and its truth. And we are the Jasons that stand for what we believe. And we stand for what's true. And we stand for what's right. And even when it feels like we're standing alone, God sees it. And you're an unsung hero. If you just do what's right. Brother Lucas, if you'll come. You've got to make up in your mind and in your heart that you are a part of the kingdom of God. Ever how small, I don't think Jason, if you were to resurrect Jason from the dead right now, 2,000 years later, and open your Bible, and you were to turn to the book of Acts and show him his name, I think he'd freak out. I can't believe my name's in there. Right beside Paul, right beside Silas and James. My goodness, I, I can't believe. I, I didn't know my name was going to be in there. All I did was gave, gave him a bedroom to sleep in. I think Ananias likewise would be astonished that his name was put in the Holy Writ because he gave a Bible study. He just did what was right and he took the risk and the opportunity that God gave him. Ananias could have said, no, Lord, and we all would have understood. We'd probably preach a sermon about it. Don't get the Ananias spirit, although it's justified. You don't want a murder in your house. So he went down to the house of Dumaflachi, and Dumaflachi taught him a Bible study. And thank God for Dumaflachi, because Dumaflachi won Paul to the Lord. We don't know how this would have went. Thank God for that unnamed beggar at the beautiful gate that when Simon and Peter said, rise up and walk, he jumped up and went leaping and dancing into the temple. Listen to me tonight. One of the oldest tricks the devil has is trying to make people feel like they have no value to God's kingdom because they don't occupy a position of title in the church. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to just be, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some transparency here for a moment. I can't say, let me rephrase that. I should say that we over the past 50, 100 years could have done better to explain that the highest thing to attain in the kingdom of God is not a pulpit or an REV dot in front of your name. 
But the highest level you can attain in the kingdom is put an apron around your waist and be at service in the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not preaching a conference. It's not singing at a camp meeting. It's teaching Sunday school to hyper kids that won't sit down and listen. It's vacuuming when your back is already messed up. It's opening your home for a connect group when you just got new carpet and know somebody's going to let their brat spill milk on it. I'm being real with you now. It's opening your home and knowing that somebody's going to come in with an emotional support animal. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to get in trouble here. I don't, I just not. I don't mind my dog sitting under the table, but I don't want to go to a restaurant and pay to sit by somebody else's dog. Amen. Now, Listen. The Bible says, for the least among us are the greatest. At the Last Supper, you've heard me say this, and I'll reiterate this. At the Last Supper, there was 12 lords, but there was only one servant. That was Jesus. He said, I'll teach you how to be great in my kingdom. Put an apron on. Get a towel in your hand. It, it's not flashy. You may not get your picture on the cover of, of a Perspectives magazine or the Pentecostal Herald or on the front page of, of, of Vacaville Tribune or whatever it's called. Huh? The reporter. But you know what? You know who's got it written down? And, and I know what people say. They say, well, pastor, that's easy for you to say because you're the one teaching. It's easy for you to... But even when I wasn't, even when I wasn't, we was with Pastor Hurston. You want to hear some stories? My Lord, he can tell them. One thing he never had to do, I heard him telling his young preachers this one time, he said, I never had to look for him. He was always there. And I was. I drove him crazy. It was six months. I'd been cleaning and vacuuming the church, washing the windows, sweeping the parking lot of, of, of our church that was bigger than two football fields. And I'd sweep that whole concrete thing. Finally, Brother Hurst came to me after six months. He said, you've got to stop cleaning the church. I said, why? He goes, we've got paid janitors that are just walking in and leaving because it's clean. I, I, I was showing up at ladies' auxiliary night. I did. I showed up late. I didn't go in there. I just sat there. And as soon as they were done, I could, you know, you'd see them walking out. I'd walk right in there and I'd go to the ladies director, Sister Hurt, say, hey, don't worry about putting anything up. I'll clean it up. I'll take care of it. Think I'm exaggerating? Call him. He'll tell you. You want to know why? Because before God ever called me to hear, he called me to serve. You want to be used of God? Find somewhere to involve yourself in the kingdom of God. We, we are like the Esthers of our generation. 
who are interceding for our cities. That are saying, God, save Vacaville. God's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this to save, oh God, save Vacaville. God, help us, Lord. Use us, anoint us, Lord, as we go forward in the city of Vacaville and Solano County. God, save Dixon. Save Winter. Save Fairfield. Save Knight's Landing. Save Davis. Save Esparto. Save Robin. Save Sassoon. Save Vallejo. Lord, use us. Because we're the church, the believers. We're the unsung heroes of our society. Oh, I know they're giving all the attention to the people that do all this and that. But I'm telling you, you are the unsung heroes of 2023. Because it's the people of the name that are praying and calling out on God. Let's stand together. Amen. 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 Want to be used of God? Great. Just be available. It's, it's cliche, but it's truth. The greatest ability is availability. That's what all of these had in common. They were just available when God needed a vessel. So let's make up in our mind tonight. We're going to demonstrate what Christianity is all about. Let's start demonstrating tonight. I'm going to be what God's called me to be. And that is a servant to the Most High God. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Lord, do you, do you need me to sing? I'll sing. You need me to teach Sunday school? I'll teach Sunday school. You need me to sweep the parking lot? I'll sweep the parking lot. You need me to teach Bible study? I'll teach Bible study. What do you want me to do, God? I just want to be available, Lord, because that's what the unsung heroes of the book of Acts did. They just said, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll do whatever you want. You mean to wait tables, Lord? I'll do that. I'll wait tables. That's not beneath me. I'll put on an apron and I'll, 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 I'll wait tables, Lord, uh, if that's what you need me to do. What do you need me to do, Lord? Lord, you need me to teach Bible studies to my greatest enemy? I'll teach a Bible study to the person that opposes me the most. What do you need me to do, God? What do you want me to do? You want me to have faith while everybody else is praying and believing? You want me to have enough faith to actually listen for it? I'll do it, God. Lord, what do you need me for? What do you want me to do, God? Because that's what I'll do. I don't need the spotlight. I don't need the grandeur. I don't need a title. I don't need initials at the end of my name. All I need is an opportunity to hear your
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.